Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today's show, we are continuing in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, or Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with almost 50 years of experience. Helping 40, 49. Pe- 49. Okay, yeah. I, I stand corrected. <laughs> 49 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the mm-hmm. stuff of real life. Mm-hmm. That, about that, we aren't joking. Mm-mm. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. And boy, I think we did a lot of that last week, didn't we? Yep. We've really seen a lot. The beauty of these shows that we're doing, this is episode 26. 26. Is that really it's an extension of what we see and are going through and what other we see others that we're helping, what they're going through, as well as our own challenges. And what's amazing is how much we are learning. So 49 years is a spit in the ocean when it comes to what I'm seeing these days. Mm -hmm. And this show is a much more updated view of our learning and growing and helping others as well as helping ourselves. And I want to make it as relevant as possible to what people are struggling with out there. We talked about, yes, they can gain strength and, and, and resilience and so many benefits, but you know what the other part of it is? It's a real part of life. It's a real condition of life. We've had more people, and I've run into a couple, one fellow who was a caregiver to his wife last week, and they're in shock, not just grief, but the shock of feeling how unfair this is. And how could this be part of life? And he actually said that in the midst of Rena's outbursts. And the truth is, how many people really do feel that? Plenty. Yes. That this is a condition of life. And the best preparation is to learn about it, to face it, and um, to grow from it. But also know it is part of life. It's going to come into every person's life. No one will escape. Um, And I feel and hope that this show is accessible Uh, relatable. Uh, People want to hear what we have to say because it will pertain and does pertain to their life situations. Uh, Today I am, believe it or not, I am really enthusiastic and passionate and excited even more than the other shows because so many of the things we've talked about we have run into head-on last week. We did. Not just with ourselves but helping others, being involved with others. Uh, Jenny and I both have worked to uh, are working with caregivers and how to meet some of the challenges of those that are in terrible distress in their physical lives, emotional lives, um, facing life and death battles. There's no denying it. It's real. And uh, But I'm also seeing the difficulty that loved ones and caregivers go through in helping their, these folks. And last week we were running into it all over the place and if, trying to get things uh, set up trying to match people it didn't go easily at all no we were actually coming at it from a couple many different directions we were helping a man who was needing to find caregivers because he was uh, the caregiver that he'd had long term was leaving and his struggle through that we also uh, were uh, 
connected to working with helping a caregiver who was going through a very uh, painful time, and she's pulled herself through it so well. But we we saw everything from from all perspectives, all different sides. We just really did. We we also ran into the horrible grief the loved ones who are caregivers go through when they finally do lose their beloveds. Yes. Wow. Did we see some heavy hits last week? Yes. And the pain was just beyond tolerable at all, and it was heartbreaking. And yet, how many people last week, caregivers included, had just lost loved ones they were caring about? How many did we run into? At three or four? Probably. And one of the things they said to us, and these were these were really good people, saying, "I'm strong. I can handle it." Well, I certainly could relate to that because I'm a strong man, but not like this. And we saw one woman who was a Fijian lady, outstanding woman, and the person she was taking care of just had died on. The but day before. The day or two before we talked to her, she's already needing to get another job because she needs the money. Yes, yes. And she doesn't really, and this is one of the things we're going to talk about today, she wasn't really aware of the toll her grief had taken on her. No. Out of her. This is one thing we are going to talk about today. Yeah. About caregiving, uh, what it entails, what people need to really begin to pay attention to as caregivers, and how absolutely essential it mm-hmm. is what we're going to talk about today. And, and this subject could be a little heavy. Um, it's certainly sobering, but we also want to make sure that what you're going to hear today is there are things that can be done. There are things we absolutely. can do. There is hope. There are ways to grow and navigate through these situations that can be healing. And and when we get through today, we'll have given you some of these things to Absolutely. take with you. I, I think that no matter, even though the subject matter is very sobering and painful and difficult, there is also, like you said, hope. But what, we're gonna, what we want to talk about today is, well, how do you convert those negative emotional states and those physical states that are so overwhelming draining distressing depleting exhausting yes how do you turn that around and that is key that's the key and we're going to talk about that directly today Mm -hmm. and the name of this show today the late is is the healing warrior and i mean i mean it healing warrior the full one is healing warrior staying on our feet even under duress that's right and um I think when Jenny says it sounds better, actually. I've got that announcer voice. Yeah, she's got a good voice. Everybody loves it. She's definitely the star of the show. She doesn't believe it. I do. She's (laughs) she's just great. She's got a real radio voice. She's got a real presence. She loves us. We we all do. This is one of the high points of our week. Absolutely, and we need it because a lot of the others aren't so high. It's hard. But to to sit through this and know that we are talking about things we know are relevant and can help others. Helps us. Yes. So anyway, what we want to talk about is self-help, self-care for the caregiver. And uh, I think what I see, and I'm making a generalization, but I may be, I think I'm right about this. A lot of caregivers neglect themselves and they aren't really paying attention to the complexity and difficulty of their jobs. And uh, I know they take it seriously, many of them, at least the people we know, 
Um, but honestly, I don't think that their awareness and consciousness is, it needs to be improved because they learn, have to learn under terrible duress how to grow, how to have hope, how to be resilient. And that seems to be, I don't want to say it's a mystery. I don't even think it enters a lot of their minds. They're there to help others. Mm -hmm. They're going to do it. That's their job. They're just going to kind of endure it. And they do. And they do. They do. They do. But. At what cost? At what cost. And what we've seen is burnout. And um, uh, that's a a concern because when a person's burned out, they don't want to do this anymore. They're usually very angry, very irritable. Uh, very depleted and exhausted. Mm-hmm. And that can be a loss of some very good people. Yes. And by the time you see these exhausted, burned out caregivers, you can't believe they were good people. Because no. they're so distressed and they're angry and irritated and they just they want or, out. Or they could be physically sick. That's which leads to that statistic that is always to me that is so a, shocking that almost what is it almost two thirds almost sixty five percent I think it's sixty three point or sixty four point something percent of all the caregivers die before the people they take care of. That's a scary. That's st- directly related to what we're talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely, it's a scary statistic that I didn't used to. I used to be cynical and did not believe it. Now that I'm going through it. Myself, and now that I'm seeing helping others, and you're others, connected to so many other people others, who are going through it. Oh, it's true, and I could see how. Yeah. Um, the key really is well, what leads up to that? How come that does happen? Yeah. What warning signs? What signals uh, are being ignored? That's it. It's paying attention to the early warning signs, and most people that I see don't until it's too late, and that includes our own teams of caregivers. Only we we monitor. And hold accountable each other much more than most places, but we go through it too, and uh, it's 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 tough one to see. But let's talk about some of these early warning signs. What does it take? First of all, you got to know that if you're dealing with people under a lot of distress and pain and struggle, your body, as a caregiver, will begin to take on the the energy and distress of that other person. It just it it happens. That's just a reality of life. How many people are aware of that? Well, that's that's a big question mark. I don't know. Yeah, and I will say that just in case, uh, for people listening, the the idea of taking on someone's energy might not immediately kind of click with them. Mm-hmm. So let's say a little more about okay. that. Okay, we're talking about becoming aware of our. You know, it's really important is knowing ourselves as caregivers. Knowing where our balance is, knowing our strengths, our weaknesses, uh, knowing where our where we can go off, but how we get back onto track, uh, we've got to know more about ourselves. It's very important because in this kind of work, you can be thrown off your own center mm-hmm. because the duress, the distress, the energy we're putting out to take care of others who are sick. Well, that that takes a lot. But can you get back to yourself? And the answer is absolutely, no question about it. But we've seen too many caregivers lately. And it's proven a point. They don't get back to themselves. They just either ignore it and disconnect and and uh, go on like nothing's happened. Or uh, they don't want to know. They don't pay attention to it at all. So what we're finding is that we have to... Um, 
get across to them that it's important for them to begin to learn to pay attention to their own emotional states. They have to pay attention to their own body because if they don't, they're going to get sick and worse. Um, they've got to know that the distress does affect them physically, biologically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, all of that. And as you, uh, as people put some time in getting some help, and I certainly know about this, I've been a helper, but I've also done it myself, how much different, what the, the difference that it makes is that it brings you back to yourself much more quickly and you can get back to center of who you are and then go back to the difficult situation, refreshed, renewed, and restored, resilient. Um, and probably uh, a little bit more aware than you were before, before, this, before you uh, went, got some help. Well, the key really is this isn't a one-shot deal. This is something, if you're a caregiver, you're going to be going through with this for the rest of your life. And it's important. And can you grow from it and, and uh, improve? The answer is absolutely um, you're going to have a, se a sense of purpose and meaning in your life that is is just incomparable. But it's very important to begin to pay attention to how you feel emotionally and physically while you're caring for others. Um, we talk about the healing warrior. Now, there's a reason we're calling that. When you're a warrior, you can't really get into your own stuff and be vulnerable at that point. You have to give 100% of yourself to the difficulty you're in at the time. But a warrior will know how to do that and their system will adjust to that and, and, and put out 100%. But when they're done and they go away, they know how to let go of it and restore themselves. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. That is what we're going to return to. Mm -hmm. uh, but first, you've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. And in the first part of our uh, podcast today, which we're calling The Healing Warrior, Staying on Your Feet, Even Under Duress, uh, we talked about um, the buildup that can happen of distress, uh, negative energy, uh, emotions, sensations in the body, the things that we take on that can build up and get in the way of our being uh, satisfied, fulfilled, caring for others. We're talking specifically about caregivers and how this can really creep up on anyone unless they start to recognize some of the warning signs of what's happening in them and how, how critical that is for them to do. And then just before our break, Peter brought in uh, from our title this concept of the healing warrior. And I would like you to, if you'd go back and kind of talk about that again. Well, I think one of the issues, uh, first of all, being a healing warrior, I use the word warrior for a reason. Warriors have the ability to give 100% in the battle, whatever battle they're in, and put their own needs aside at that point and just meet the needs of the at the moment. Usually it's aggression and, and engagement of some sort. Uh, their whole autonomic, their systems uh, are geared for that. They're on alert. 
Uh, they're engaged. Uh, they know that they're up against difficult things that are negative. They also don't know when the battle's over that they know how to walk away and let go and to do whatever it takes to get restored. A good warrior, the ones that I've known, do things to get restored and renewed and to let go of the effects and impact of being on the front lines. Well, we're talking about healing warriors, and they're very much like that. They have to be very much like that. When you have someone that needs to be taken care of and who's in terrible distress, who's doing a life-and-death kind of process that we're talking about, um, let's, be, let's face it, we're, we're up against, they're up against difficulties, and we're there with them. And we're there to take care of them in whatever way they need because they're feeling more helpless and distressed. It's tough. We're giving 100% of ourselves. We're being very selfless at that point. And we have to. The thing that we have to become aware of is that while we're doing that, it's affecting our bodies. Mm-hmm. It's effect, we're, we're taking things on, energy, that's going on through these persons that are dealing with the, the terrible distresses. And our bodies are being triggered. And triggered means either we're taking on what what we're dealing with with them and helping them with, or our own bodily memories, histories, emotions, traumas, and damage get triggered. In other words, we get the physiological and biological reminder. Mm -hmm. And that can take a toll if we don't know how to diffuse it, decompress it. I think people listening have had most had experience at some time or another of meeting someone that they care about who's going through something very difficult, having a very hard time, and leaving that interaction, leaving that connection, feeling kind of a, a burden of caring for the person and feeling some of their pain. In fact, that's even a phrase that people can use that I feel your pain. You know, maybe you can't really understand everything about where this person is going is and what they're going through, but you can feel Mm -hmm. their pain and you're left with some Mm -hmm. of it if you care. And that's what we're talking about combined with whatever that might bring up inside us that that uh, is is something painful for us too absolutely and that that's also a form of empathy and yeah. that's a really good thing but there's a price to be paid and there's a lot to be learned about being an empathetic person uh, we're usually more sensitive we take things on um, there's a lot of characteristics to they call them an empath it's a type of personal structure personal being we're empaths yeah okay but one of the things about this is what's the price the price is we feel and we're connected and if it's a a negative experience or a devastating experience or watching someone sick or dying Mm -hmm. uh, a loved one a fellow human being we feel it we feel the pain uh we may bring it may bring back memories and grief from other times in our life when we've lost loved ones or someone we cared about um, that's a triggering. The yes. memories come back. Yes. But it's not just in our psychology, psychological state. Not just in memories. It's in our biology, in yeah. our physical state. Yeah. That's that's where we have that's where the danger lies. Yeah. And if we're not tuned in, we're gonna we're gonna take and get and to get what's the word I wanna use? It's trapped energy that yes. builds up. Mm-hmm. And you combine that with dealing with a very distressing situation of caregiving and you have the combination for a real troubling time. It can really build if you don't deal with it. That's right. Yes. The problem with the buildup, too, is it gets to a point where it takes a toll on us physically, really, and leads to uh, some medical states, some death, yes. sickness. Or the emotional side of it, of 
anger and resentment and uh, just being uh, not wanting to be doing what you're doing. Okay. And that means you're moving toward burnout. You're going through what we call uh, uh, emotional fatigue, taking on the fatigue of the, the, the emotional uh, depletion mm-hmm. of being with someone who really needs a lot to eventual burnout. A burnout, the characteristics are primarily anger, resentment, bitterness. Um, ooh, it could be awful. Yeah, I don't know that everyone realizes that, but that's yeah. what's behind most of it. And we've seen it. We've seen caregivers who go from doing good to being resentful, bitter, uh, neglectful of the people they're taking care of. We just helped one last week. The, uh, uh, the, the guy was, he's a helpless guy. He can't help it. Um, and his caregiver just would leave him and neglect him, mm-hmm. uh, didn't want anything to do with him, would have emotional angry outbursts of frustration himself. And he was using s- substance abuse? Substance abuse is a big one. And when we heard about it, we intervened. We, we, we're good advocates for people that are helpless and, and uh, distressed. One of the things we see is when people who are really helpless, they're scared. They panic And easily. they're panicked. Yeah. And we saw that last week, but also... They feel helpless, and they feel they're at the beck and call of this person who's angry and upset, and they get it panics the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw it, and then they react in not necessarily very good ways, mm-hmm. but their helplessness and dependency just brings us out. Uh, anyway, for us, it's an, that's where we advocate very quickly and moving quickly, and that's the time you get rid of that caregiver quickly. Or, or do if if it's a family caregiver, if it's someone you're not gonna, I mean, you don't have to get rid of someone if if there's some way to address it, some way to help them recover. And there, there, we do it all the time in our work. We yes. do help people recover from that, and it's traumatic. Yeah, we help. That's our job. That's what we do. Yeah. But one of the things that you're right about that you can't just get rid of your loved one, but <laughs> no. even if you might want to. But the truth is, they can be helped. But the first step is they've got to become aware yes. of what their bodies, what it feels like to carry around such bitterness and anger, and what it's what it feels like. Yes. What's the energy? What is it doing to my body? Yeah. And um, a, a really good description, an example of it, and I'll tell you the the. the difference in a minute when someone is angry and bitter they're in the what they call the hyper alert mode of their automatic or autonomic nervous system there's a tightness in the body uh there's a there's a their brain is really you know jacked up and intense always Uh, on guard looking for trouble oh always if they're not going to look for it they're going to make it um there's a tightness in the chest and a hardness uh there's not in a receptive state at all no. They're ready for fighting. They're they ready feel for like they're under siege. Under yep. siege, and they're yep. ready to fight. Right. Well, that takes a toll. And if you're not aware of your own body, it's it's burning out right there and then because their whole the, the cortisol system in their brain is, which is a hormone, has got them cooking, frying twenty four seven. And it's taking a lot of energy out of them, mm-hmm. which leads to exhaustion. That's another si- stress. And you're not, we're not designed to, to be on high alert 24-7 without it taking a toll. Yeah. So when we, when we see ourselves like that and we, 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 we're attuned to ourselves and realize that's happening, there are things and interventions that people can do. And we do it for people all the time, where we get them decompressed, where we get rid of that built-up uh, of, of uh, negative energy, the rage, the anger, 
the uh, the emotional pain they're in, and it's the beginning of turning it around and giving them some hope and perspective again, where their their emotions are not running unbridled anymore, but we get them back under control. So but can I just yeah. I just want to highlight what you said because it's so I think it's really important. What was that? You were saying that the first thing if when all of this emotion, pain, distress, stress are building up, the first thing that must happen is that you got to find a way to tune in to yourself. To tune, a tune. that's to, right. Tune or tune in to what's happening in your body. Have a sense of what's going that's on. That's correct. Then there really are things you can do to, you call it decompress, de-stress, release some of this. So if we, if we can just kind of keep that in mind, a tune or tune in, then you can do something about it. Yeah, then you have choices, and yes. you may very well need help. And any, if you're a caregiver, you're going to need help. And I know that's what we've been doing for 49 years, I have, um, is helping people de decompress and get back on their feet so they can face life again with more hope and more and be more effective yeah. and not just have, be emotionally reactive. But when we're, now that we're working with caregivers in very distressing situations, we're really seeing it a microcosm of this thing and boy do they need our help so getting them to shift into becoming attuned to their own bodies and having that sensibility about themselves that if they don't understand their own emotional states if they don't understand the energy of these emotional states they're in trouble mm -hmm. and somehow they've learned to disconnect yes and disassociate people do this and they, and they do. don't always know that they are that's correct and it is important for them to get a sense of this that's correct. And in fact, one of our, we see our, our own teams to have that happen. It's not unusual. Some people have a, a stronger propensity to it because of their yes, history. Yes, um, But when it comes, it's trouble because they're already acting out in some negative ways and they don't even know where it's coming from or why. And a lot of times they're not aware of it mm -hmm. until somebody holds them accountable and goes, that's unacceptable. And what you're doing is you're actually hurting. And instead of nourishing and nurturing the person you're taking care of, you're actually causing trouble. And you're not helping them, you're hurting them. Yeah. So that's that's what where accountability comes in. Um, when you're dealing with a good person, there's an internal integrity that you can reach in. They don't want to hurt anybody. Right, and and we should add, too, that that, that that disconnection, that dissociation is not always, in fact, not often a conscious choice. Mm -mm. It's just something, it's just the way people cope. It's a coping mechanism. It's not a good coping mechanism. Sometimes it is. I mean, if you're in battle, yeah, it can be. But the problem is when you're not in battle and, and you're stuck in that state, Yeah. And that's what triggers off first. You have no connection with your body. You have no connection with the energy that you're feeling. You have no no idea of what you're putting out or what you're taking on at all. Right. That's trouble. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. That's, that's dangerous. A, it's like it's like having a if your hand is asleep and you touch the stove, you're going to get burned and you may not know it. That's until you're until, until it's you're too damaged. Late. That's right. Yeah. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We will be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Before our break, uh, we were talking about the healing warrior and how uh, the true warrior 
sets aside themselves and their needs to care for or take care of whatever situation is in front of them, knowing that when they've dealt with it, when the battle's over, they're going to need to go back and restore themselves and take care of the buildup of whatever physical or emotional cost they've taken on in the battle. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the key to dealing with this buildup is to be able to attune or tune in to your body and your emotions uh, so that you have a sense of what's going on, what you've taken on, so that you can then do something about it. You can decompress, de-stress, return to a state that is more calm, uh, not on, on what we call hyper-alert, uh, but just a, a normal uh, functioning state. That's right. I was just reading a, a, a note that I wrote to myself. We can learn what to do to ease the physical and emotional tension and pain and alleviate the stress in order to prevent burnouts uh, and emotional and physical stress. That's just what you're talking about. It's doable. It's absolutely not just doable. It's necessary. It's it's a it is a key to surviving in the in the profession of caregiving. That's right. And profession of caregiving, by the way, is growing exponentially, because the needs the need is. is growing that much too. And I don't think there's too many people we have talked to that don't have stories and things going on that have gone on in their lives or are going on in their life now that they can't relate in some way to what this is all about. So, but we want to give the, we want to kind of present with some hopeful antidotes to some of this thing. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I really uh, appreciate and what I really like is the idea of converting this anger and this bitterness and this resentment into something more positive. Yes, that and can be done. It can be done. And anyone who is striving to become and to be a better person, to be the best person they can possibly be, they're going to invest in this. They're going to see that this is really important because it's doable. Mm -hmm. I can attest to it because I've been in this work for, God, a long time. And here I am. I'm still thriving. I feel passionate. Uh, I'm excited about the applications and, and the possibilities. So here I am after all these years, and I'm not burned out. And I've had plenty, and I still do, more now in some ways than ever before. And yet I'm here today to offer some hope, not just in words, but I'm here to tell you the truth because I do it myself. And you're saying that this is not a one-time deal. No, it's not. This is something that is a skill almost. It's a de dedication to taking care of yourself and moving through life, learning and growing, but you're going through this cycle. It's a life processing, and you, and you need to know how to do it. Um, it's crucial. This isn't an option anymore. But, okay, so we've let me just go back to something. We've talked about the energy and the biology a little bit of anger, right? Right, and you talked about converting it to something more positive. Okay, so, so one of the things to know about that is holding resentments, isn't hurt isn't helping anybody uh, being unforgiving isn't helping uh, carrying burdens of re vengeance and and uh, holding uh, holding things deeply against someone else the person you're hurting the most is yourself usually so one of the first steps after you diffuse the incremental energy buildup in your body I mean you do need to get help with that mm -hmm. it's hard to do on your own mm -hmm. um, is to begin to forgive begin to uh, 
make amends. Begin to let go of the resentments and the grudges you're holding. Now, now we're not talking about, well, then you go out there and you reconcile with people that are really bad people. We're not talking about that. We're talking about something where we release the burdens, the grudges, uh, the debt that you're holding against somebody. I think there's a common misunderstanding and let's make maybe we should take a moment to clear it up of the difference between forgiving someone and reconciling with them there yes in fact we talked about that today with someone who's going through it and lovely girl one of our favorites and um i don't think she really understood the difference with forgiveness she thought we were talking about reconciling and it didn't sound to me that that's a poss- that that's possible right now but she's carrying such a heavy burden that it's tearing her heart out. I'm getting the flavor of how much pain she's in about it. The person she's hurting the most is herself. Yeah. And um, she says, well, I've forgiven. Well, the truth of the matter is forgiveness isn't a one-time deal. You may need to forgive a person uh, over and over and over again. Uh, they don't do nice things. Okay, but letting it go and not letting it eat you up alive. And I, I mean, that's a, a metaphorical statement, but where it takes the life out of you, it's such a yeah. negative thing. And if we are talking about caregiving situations, uh, you, you, if, and, and you are building up resentment or, or hurts and, and against the person you're caring for, you can't just, you may not just want to walk away. You're going to be there with them all the time, and you're going to have things that will need to be forgiven, and you're going to need to stay with it. That's well. Now we're getting dialed in even more specifically. Yeah. Um, we were talking about the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. You're talking about that. We we will get to in a minute. Okay. Because I think it's that important. Yeah. Because uh, well, what the thing that I wanted to say is you can't always reconcile with people. Right. You're not going to have a long-lasting relationship with them, but you are going to release the burden of bitterness and anger and hatred and resentment you have against them. That's one of the ways to turn this energy around, to finding a new sense of compassion and nurturing and love. That's one important fact. Right. You're dialing it in much more specifically that I feel is relevant today. Yeah. And that is, if you're a caregiver and you're dealing with difficult situations, you have to go back. You got to learn to deal with this, but you got to go back a little with a fresh perspective, yes, and a clarity of mind. And because you're a caregiver, what's so important is your presence needs to engender nourishment and nurturing and compassion and caring. And that's what you have to set up within the relationship if you're a caregiver. Now, if you're going to the bitterness and you're accumulating that junk, you're not going to be nourishing and nurturing anymore. No, you're going to be judgmental. You're going to be condemning. You're going to be angry and rigid, and that's going to convey itself yes. to the person you're caring about. We've seen that even with some of our own team members. Our, by the way, our team members, they do that. We pull them off the line, and we straighten them out. And I don't mean just with an initial confrontation. They may be charged up, and we discharge it. We help them. Mm-hmm. We support them. We encourage them. We love them. Yeah. We hold them accountable, but it's not mean. It's no, loving. No. Um, and then we'll let them go back. Uh, we're very fortunate. We feel our design is an ideal, is to work in a team. Yeah. Um, I hope, by the way, we can convey that to other caregiving groups. Um, working in teams is the best way to go. But anyway, in the meantime, uh, you don't have the um, luxury 
of avoiding reconciliation. You've got to go back as a caregiver and deal mm-hmm. with it. And, you know, it's an interesting thing because dial in even more. When um, we've run into this so many times, and I've run into it personally, when you're dealing with folks that have dementia or Alzheimer's or stroke victims, the whole reality changes in the sense of how to relate to them. Yes. Because they can turn out to come, they can be mean. They can be very aggressive and difficult. I've heard more stories of this. We help more caregivers with this. Mm-hmm. and Things they do and say can feel very hurtful. Very hurtful and painful, absolutely. If you let your mind and expectations stay in what's normal, because these folks aren't normal anymore. They're in a different universe. They're not thinking and acting, behaving in a good way anymore. Yeah. Their, their brains are deteriorating. So what's happening is even in the, the relationship is there, but it's not what's happening isn't personal. It isn't about you the can't person take there. it personally anymore. Yeah. And that's a big step for a lot of people. It's hard. It's hard. Particularly I, if this is a loved one that you've had a relationship. With. It happens every time. We know them when they were normal. Yes. Uh, we loved them. We had or we had a certain relationship with them. And if they did something like that, they had the ability to take some responsibility for working it out with us. But when folks have Alzheimer's and dementia and stroke victims, they don't have that ability anymore. Their cerebral cortex, their executive function in their brain is probably gone and been destroyed. So they don't have that ability anymore. We're the ones that have to accept that things have changed. And they may see things that are mean. They may say things that are just crazy. And they can it, be violent. It can be violent. But we have to change. Where Our mindset has to change in the sense that we've got to see things differently and not hold it against them anymore mm-hmm. and realize you can't take this personally. These people have changed. Their brains aren't whole anymore. And we're the ones that have to be able to step aside, make the adjustment, not hold resentments and bitterness against them, and work with helping them. Yeah, that's quite a challenge. I think when we've talked about this in the past, you've mentioned uh, at this point the need for boundaries, strong boundaries. But there's a there's a point there of what what is a strong boundary in this situation? Yeah, because some of them are the wrong kind of strong. Yeah, boundaries. I have seen this happen um, with uh, people that are caregivers of loved ones, uh, and they have these support groups, and I've been in a number of them. Because uh, I'm working with helping my wife, um, and I'm not a leader. I don't want to be, and I I could be in a second. I've been in the thousands of groups. Um, I lead them. I train people to do them. But this one, I am not going to allow myself to do that. But what I have seen is people who are they're giving advice to each other. And one of the I remember one fellow, not a bad guy, but angry veteran. It's got plenty of PTSD. And another fellow in the group has been taking care of his wife who has MS for 25 years. And she's rough on him. Heartbreakingly difficult. Um, Her husband is held up fairly well. I'm not saying terrific, but he's held up well. But the direction of the group and this fellow who is a veteran said, you you got to be strong. You got to set boundaries with your wife. And it was astounding what came out of his mouth, what he thought setting a boundary was. Mm-hmm. And I immediately, forgive my going right back to leadership and facility. I looked at it and I said, you're not talking about setting boundaries. You're talking about pure abuse. 
that's not setting a boundary. Mm, what was he talking about? He was brutal. And he was, you know, I don't even want to say what he was saying. It was so profane. This is to his idea. Well, these people deserve it. You've got to set a boundary and make sure they understand it. So it was very harsh. Very harsh and very punitive. Um, and it was nothing to do with setting a boundary. It was nothing to do with being strong. It was to do with pure abuse. Okay. And it was a way for the caregiver to dump his pent-up aggression. Mm -hmm. In this case, it wasn't just the man that was being counseled in that group. Whose aggression was it? It was the other participant who now, uh, <laughs> he wants to lead his own groups, who's got PTSD as a veteran. Yeah. And he's got his own anger. And he's conveying that bitterness and pent-up anger to someone else, telling them, that's how you set limits and you set boundaries. That is not the way to do it. Mm -hmm. The way to do it really is to go, well, what is appropriate for this person that we're dealing with? In this particular case, the, the lady who had MS is completely bedridden, completely debilitated. And yes, she has to be have some limits set on her. She can be vile, no question about it. But to abuse her in the state she is, that means you're taking it personally. That means you're pent up resentments and anger and bitterness. You're at a burnout level and you're going to crush her. And the truth is what you're forgetting is she's completely dependent and helpless. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying it's not a temptation, but I am saying that is not the strength we are talking about. No. We're talking about looking at a situation like that and letting them know in uncertain terms, look, you've got to stop treating me the way you're treating me and I won't take it. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying to me and what you're demanding of me is I can't, I'm not going to do it. It's just too much. Uh, there's lots of ways to convey that. You can distract them if they have Alzheimer's. There's lots of mechanical ways and logistical ways. There are strategies of reframing, redirecting, setting limits. There's, there's, there are ways to handle this. That's right. And to know those mechanics and know as many options as you can. Good to learn. Good to learn. Yeah. One of the best at this, this is my own opinion, is Tipa Snow. Yes. And she's a trainer and facilitator for particularly dementia and Alzheimer's and stroke victims. Her group is called Positive Approach. And she's great. She does a great job. Do I think she's the only story in town? Absolutely not. No. I know others that uh, I think of the Redwood Caregivers Resource Center, and, and uh, I think they're fabulous in redirecting and refocusing on the caregiver and helping them. Uh, I think they're even better than TIPA in this particular way. Um, they do a great job. There is some terrific information out there to, to learn how to do this. So it can be done. It can be done. Yeah, but you've got to learn how to set boundaries without being abusive and harsh and using it as an excuse to dump your pent-up resentments and bitternesses on your helpless person that you're taking care of. There is a better way, and we'll talk about that more in just a bit. Mm -hmm. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA, Petaluma 103.3 FM. We will be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. And again, we are just zipping through our, our, our episode here. And I want to make sure in this last segment that we leave people with something very clear and helpful. We're talking about uh, well, how to deal with the buildup of uh, distress, frustration, resentment, anger, exhaustion, depletion, 
uh, that uh, people in stressful situations like caregivers build up. And we have assured people, and we believe it, we live it, that there's a way to deal with that and turn it around and convert those negative emotions and attitudes and experiences into something more positive, compassion, a kindness, a gentleness, a fulfilling relationship with the person that you love and mm-hmm. are caring for. Yes. And and so let's be let's make sure we're really clear about how you get from point A to point B today so people leave with something really clear. I agree. And one of the things we talked about is okay, now you know what the biology and physical aspects and energy of anger and resentment are. We talked about that. Right. But we haven't talked about the difference in what the biology and the energy and the physical components are of compassion and nurturing uh, and loving. Gentleness, kindness. Yes. That type of relationship. And that has a biology too. Yes. And, a, and an energy to it that's completely, it's open. The mind is at peace and is quiet. There's a softness. There's a tenderness. Uh, there's a receptiveness. Uh, there's a, a calmness in your body, in your being. Um, there's a nourishing, loving, nurturing quality that comes, and you're not in hyper alert, that's for sure. In fact, you're in the other state that's part of the autonomic responses, and that's the parasympathetic state, which means the receptive state, the softer state. The energy levels are much lower. There's not an intensity of energetic buildup. Um, there's a peace and a quiet and a calmness. And this is even in the midst at times, I want to say this, when situations are difficult, you're asking yourself, is this attainable? And the answer is yes. Yes. Is it sustainable over a long period of time? I couldn't tell you that. Not without intervention. Not without taking care of the buildup of the pain. And that's important to become aware of ourselves and our own emotional and physical beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be a healthy, grounded healer and uh, pract- uh, caregiver The first thing it means is practicing self-healing. So we have to learn to work with our own difficult emotions so they don't clog us up. I think this is a lifelong process. It certainly has been for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it starts with committing to being aware of your emotions and your body. And that's what we're talking about today. I feel that is so essential. I live it. I've lived it longer than just since my wife has been sick. Um, I came to that almost 50 years ago. I have to admit it's been a long time. But I wasn't one of these. I was compassionate, but I was more angry and bitter and aggressive. Um, And the world I grew up in had plenty of trauma to it, plenty of history in my body. And I was a muscle-bound type of guy, uh, very aggressive and threatening. My whole presence was to keep danger away. And Uh, I got pretty good at it. But that also made me potentially dangerous, too. When I was in the midst of the world that called for that, I was pretty effective. And I was a a very effective leader with that type of world. And I could hold my own even at a younger age. But when I decided for many reasons to get out of that world and to find a better life, there was no reason for me to stay attuned in that way. I I had no clue how to change. Um, I did start my life over again, and uh, I went through a lot of experiences and changes to get my education and experience to being a healer and a helper, and I wasn't always so good at it. If I didn't have good mentoring 
and good help, I don't. I wouldn't have been as successful or done well as well as I have. But one of the things that I did realize, I was in the midst of a PhD program and I worked years to get, I realized if you don't deal with the body, the, these brilliant psychoanalytic or psychological approaches, which really compared to the world I grew up in, I thought they were brilliant. But I had to admit to myself, boy, if this is all there is, I'm in trouble. I'll never find happiness or contentment or peace. It's not enough because I have something going on in me that seems to override everything when I'm triggered. So I decided to do research and to find out. And sure enough, there was plenty out there that was talking about the biology and the uh, sensibilities and the attunement of the body and the energy of emotion and how uh, it, you, can, you can do something about it. I changed my whole PhD. I quit the PhD program. I, I think I was into it for about two years. I started my PhD all over again, only this time specializing in the psychology of clinical psychology with an emphasis on working with the physiology and biology of the body and the energy. I'm very glad I did it. Uh, it's taken me so far, and we're into it today, but not as psychotherapists, as helping people recover from trauma, helping caregivers, helping them to deal with very distressing life situations for people. It's taken me in directions I never expected, and I'm as passionate today as ever before. And yet I look at this and go, this isn't just a psychological venture in showing people how brilliant I am. It's let's get down to earth. Let's make this accessible to anyone who needs it and let them know there's hope. And you don't have to be some brilliant intellectual to get the help you need. In fact, most of the caregivers we know, I wouldn't call them intellectuals. I call them empathic, empathic most people. Most people who are empaths are not as intellectual usually. Not necessarily. You are, but you're, I... and you're a great. No, she's a great. She's a great caregiver. I want to put that out there. But you're talking about one of the smartest women I've ever met, and yet that is not um, the way she approaches everything. She's an engineer, so she does get a little bit um, <laughs> heady. Heady, but she's she's good. And her main thing is she is a caregiver. And she's excellent. And she's, in fact, we were working on a technique today to deal with my wife getting her in her out of the wheelchair in a car. And I got to tell you something. Uh, she and one other caregiver have a, the technique down. They've engineered it in a way that I still haven't figured out. But I step back and study what they're doing because I don't know. And watching Jenny, it's like watching an engineer <laughs> get my wife maneuvered into a car out of a wheelchair yeah. that I have to go, how the heck do they do it? Because I can't. And I don't know how to do it. One of the other caregivers said the same thing. And she and I were working together on Saturday. Yeah. We both were fumbling all over the place. Wow. And if you watch Jenny, she she's very methodical. And she's figured out how to do this very successfully. So you're talking about a woman who, yes, she's an engineer, but boy, is she a caregiver too. She does a beautiful job. All of our caregivers do. They all have their own strengths. She is an empathetic person. That's, and she also is intellectual. She's both. And yes, she can be both mm -hmm. if you put the two together. Right. And it's a great way to go. The key is putting them together. Putting them together. Yeah. Right. So we want people to feel that there's hope for them. And you don't have to go get a PhD to learn how to do this. In fact, no. don't waste your time. If you're involved in the caregiving profession, the thing you need to put your energy into is self-healing and getting help for yourself because you're going to need it. And without it, you're destined for burnout. And burnout is a very unpleasant thing that will take down 
take down every part of your life. That's the terrible part of it. Yeah. And the bitterness and the anger, the resentments are so destructive. And it's not necessary. And for those of that, you that are feeling vulnerable and don't right now just don't know any other, don't know what to do, I'm telling you there is hope. And there's a better way. Um, if you see others have gone through what you're going through and they're bitter and they're angry and they're giving you the, well, the person's better dead anyway. I've heard that more times from bitter people. Don't buy it. Don't buy it for a minute. No. Um, I was talking to a guy at the gym. I just want to say interesting today. I was at the gym and there's a big guy there and his name is Norman and he's completely blind. He wasn't born blind. Um, and he was, I saw him, he's worse. He was coming through the the uh, locker room and his his cane is longer he was stumbling mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he can't see a thing and I went up and I always I went up to him and I talked to him I said Norman it's Peter how you doing mm -hmm. he says I don't, I'm not doing too good today I'm just so tired and, and I says he says I can't sleep at night and I said I hear you sorry to hear that anyway we talked a little later and he first and the, before we finish how's your wife how's she doing oh, he was asking you always does uh -huh. and he comes from a place of understanding the battle for, between life for life and death yeah norman's there he's been and he uh, there. we were talking about it and he says how she's doing i said not well she's really struggling yeah. she's not in pain but she's she's losing ground and i said that she's losing and i said but I'm just glad, I'm grateful for her that she's breathing, that I can hold her hand, that I can be, that she's here for me. And he says, that's it. Mm -hmm. He says, now you got it. Mm -hmm. And when he said that, he wasn't just encouraging me. He knows the value of life and the preciousness of life. Norman does not walk around as a bitter man. He really doesn't. Mm -hmm. He walks around, though. He's having a rough time. And he sat with me. I Before I left, he was sitting outside the gym and I just walked over and he, you know, he said, Peter, thank you so much for saying hello to me. And, and I looked at him and I said, Norman, it's my privilege to know mm -hmm. someone like you. Mm -hmm. And that's the truth. Everybody ignores him. He's alone. And that's the last person I'd ignore. I am an empath. I also can hear their struggle and their pain. And he understands other people's struggle and pain. So that's the kind of world that I'm, I live in. It's the kind of world that all of us are touched by. Yes. Um, the key is how you're going to relate to it. Can you relate to it? Can you be a caregiver? The answer is if you have to be, the answer is yes. Is it the more sobering, difficult part of life? The other answer is yes. Can you be resi re uh, resilient and restorative? The answer is yes. Can you find meaning and purpose in a way that actually feels good inside and sweet and the answer is yes to that too I, I think so many people come to a caregiving role because they want to be able to give yeah. have compassion care for others in a way that that makes a difference in their lives mm -hmm. and when burnout and distress get in the way to help them heal and restore them to that purpose that they had originally that is so uh, important, so much of gift. Well, we are so committed to it with our nonprofit, yes. Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment. We are so committed to helping caregivers. Before it used to be just veterans caregivers, now it's all caregivers. All caregivers. Absolutely, because we're getting inundated with the needs. Yeah. So we've decided to open it up. And uh, I, Jenny's the one who does the, uh, what do you do? 
I do lots of things. No, I wear what are you going to do right now? Right now? Oh, I'm getting my paper out. You uh, always say you've got your paper in your yeah. hand. Yeah, I have my paper in my hand. <laughs> no, what do you call that? Um, what I, are you doing? What am I going to do? I'm she's gonna, the host. And she's I'm the gonna... host, and I'm going to let everyone know. Uh, actually, I don't want to cut you off because if there's anything more you want to say, you have time. All right? I don't have to wave my paper around just yet. Well, you know what I want to say is this excites me. And I'm so happy that I can reach out to others with empathy and understanding in a way I've never had before, never mind my PhD and 49 years of experience. My life experience makes this such a valuable experience. Not only do I want to help others heal, it helps me to heal too, just to be part of this great enterprise. I'm thrilled and I hope other people feel talked to, not talked down to, and embraced, not pushed away. That's what I really hope. That's what we both hope. Mm -hmm. You've been listening to The Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson. If you'd like to know more about our show or about Dr. Bernstein, Peter, please visit our website at thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. We are on Facebook and Instagram, SoundCloud, and uh, iTunes, and many other areas. Please let us know what we're doing, if what we're doing is helping you. We'd love to get your feedback. We want to know if we're answering your needs, your questions, and uh, because that's why we're here. <laughs> <laughs>